All right, it's the DT difference. It's 30 years experience in the game, DT systems. E-collars we've been using for a while now, but let's quickly talk about their dummy launchers. They got the Super Pro dummy launcher and the remote dummy launcher. It's a great way for you and your dog to get ready for duck season. Loud bangs, make sure your dog's cool with gunfire before you use it. But I want you to add it to your repertoire, bag of tricks, and get you and your dog ready for duck season. It's the Super Pro Dummy Launcher by DT. Hashtag man's best kennel, baby. That's Gunner Kennels. Man, let's talk about these crates because when it hits the fan, you want your dog protected. It's an investment emotionally and financially to keep your hunting buddy safe. If you'd like to get into a Gunner Kennel, slide into the DMs and we'll hook you up. But do your best friend a favor and keep them safe this duck season. It's force fetch, baby. It's the number one question we get asked. You don't know how to fix it? Let me help you. Let me get you to your goals. We built a course, bunch of videos. I think there's 13 or 14 videos start to finish on how you and your dog can get through the force fetch process successfully. The link's in the description. Be sure to check it out and let me help you and your dog. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Lone Ducks Gundog Chronicles. Baby, we got an episode for ya. In fact, this is volume two, episode one, because old Mr. Kevin had an SD card violation. Kevin, quickly tell the folks what had happened was. That's on me. That's all. That's on me. Shoot. So uh, apologies to Russ. Uh, great sport. Totally <laughs> cool with it in his game for uh, round two. Round two, baby. He said, uh, listen, I'm always good to talk dogs and, and Yukonuba. So uh, what a guy. getting what a aside, sport. appreciate it very much. Yeah. But anyway, we'll we got round two, but you get to hear it as round one with Russ Kelly from Yukonuba, the number one dude their nutrition science school a b c d baby we're excited to have them our first episode was full of fun great conversation i'm hoping i can dial it into that stuff again i think we will it'll be awesome so stay tuned russ kelly is coming up but first you can do baby can you dig it all right, this whole episode is going to be brought to you by Yukonuba because Russ is, again, he's going to give you his full new promotion title. I forget what it was, but if you had to call him something, you just call him Big Dog. So anyways, this is all brought to you by Yukonuba. Second, Gunner Kennels, the man's best kennel. If you're rolling down the road and you're just not quite sure of the dude swerving in front of you, and you're just thinking about you and your loved ones, think about your dog too. Man's best kind of keep them safe in that gunner, baby. Dogtra. Let's talk about that. It's shocking. Pun intended. Mm. Pun unintended. Unintended. Yeah. Great product. When I push that button, I need to know that the stimulation level is where it should be, when it should be, and that is why I trust Dogtra. 
If you're just getting into the game, you got one or two dogs, 1900S or 1902S, that is what you should look it up. Uh, check it out on LoneDuckOutfitters.com if you be so inclined. But if you are the big dog and you got multiple dogs and you, man, you maybe train a ton, you want that Edge RT. Don't think twice. It's all right. Edge RT. Next up, Traeger Grills. Smoke them if you got them. I put those wingy dingies. They were good. Mm. Finger I hate giving good. you credit for things like this, but. Dude, the Traeger makes me feel like a real chef. I don't know what I'm doing. I just. You don't have to. Nah. No, I'm and I'm an idiot when it comes to cooking, and that stuff tastes like liquid, not even liquid gold, because it's meat, meat gold. Give me another word. I was gonna say mold, and and really like combine those I don't two know, words, yeah. but that's probably not right. It doesn't not, taste like yeah, mold. Mold, a lot better well, than mold. Yeah, nah. Anyways, delicious, delectable chicken wingy dingies on the Traeger. Smoke them if you got them. We like that smoked meat. Next up, Kent ammunition kent cartridge on the old instagrams you all know you've heard it on previous podcasts about that bismuth that bismuth shoot or shoot baby i don't know about you i, I really well i did kill a duck with it we had that's true yeah, yeah i did kill a duck we had one duck come into the old decoys and the old boys let them have it and Everybody said they didn't hit it. I didn't, you know, I'm not going to be that guy that claims a shot. I'm not going to be that guy in the blind. But the other two dudes were like, nah, I was behind him. Nah, I just wasn't ready. Blah, 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 blah. You that, gave him the bidness. The bidness with the bismuth. Ooh, I like it. I know. Another I new tagline. I know. I thought about that driving home today. Yeah, you were waiting for it. Oh, I the was. Bismuth. The bismuth. Anyways, laid them down. Deader than a doornail, so congratulations to the bismuth. I mean, it did its job, and, you know, aim was true. But uh, also shot some pheasant with it, and it did the job there, too. So I'm pleased with it thus far. We're just getting into duck season. Stay tuned for more Kent. Uh, it's Kent Cartridge on Instagram. So check it out. Give him a follow. Tell him we sent you. Thank you. Bingo, bango, bongo. Waypoint Outdoor Collective. These are the guys that keep us tuned into you. And you tuned into us. Thank you. Check them out. Waypoint Outdoor Collective. All right. Now that we got through that shenanigans, let's get into the show. We've got Russ Kelly from Yukonuba, baby. He's on the line to talk about the new nutritional formula. All right. And let's get into the show. Russ, thank you for joining us, mister. And tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure to to visit with you guys this evening. Um, so my name is Russ Kelly. I um, just just actually changed roles in the company, uh, switched over to the scientific service nutritionist for the for the professional pillar uh, that's supporting both the Royal Canine and the Yukonuba brands in terms of their, their pro efforts. Um, previously, uh, I've been with r and in the past 24 years, I've been with R&D almost exclusively in an upstream research role during that time, I've had the, the privilege of, of working in a lot of different areas, maternal nutrition, neonatal nutrition, puppy in terms of their, their post-weaning growth, uh, as well as, as working in the sporting and working dog areas. And I have to say, I feel very fortunate to have been in the industry uh, long enough to uh, 
I'm going to say increase my knowledge around around dogs and feeding dogs. And uh, you know, and along the lines, I've had the, the opportunity to work with a really a lot of talented individuals, both uh, internally and then out in the field. And you know, never get tired of, of watching dogs do what they were bred to do. Absolutely. Now, Rush, you are a dog man. Can <laughs> Can you give us a little background on the hound dogs you've had and what you've got now? Right now, so I have. I've had uh, sporting dogs because for 49 years, like today's my birthday, so I, I, it's easy to remember. If I, I just go back to the how old I was when I got my first dog, so I've had uh, sporting dogs for for 49 years, and along that way, that it, that includes uh, uh, several setters, uh, lots and lots of labs. And a uh, few, couple of German short hairs, a, a few English pointers, and currently I have a uh, kind of a aging Llewellyn English setter, uh, Moxie. She's four, she's fourteen, so she's she's slowing down, but she's she's still awful good out in the field. And then I have a uh, a young German short hair that I that I uh, obtained, and he's still learning. He's he's three, but he's still he's still trying to to figure things out. He, he had kind of a, a quiet puppy life, so he didn't learn much as a, as a puppy, but I, I brought him home when he was a year old and, and been working with him since. And he, uh, he's got lots of energy. Uh, and I think hopefully he's going to make a dog, but we're, you know, time's going to tell on that. Very good. Very good. Now, you know, let's get into a little bit about the, this, Llewellyn Setter and the current short hair. Uh, before we hit record, you said you were up in the uh, Upper Peninsula of Michigan, the UP, the famed UP. Tell yeah, us, tell I, us about that. Yeah. So uh, we. Uh, oh, and by the and way, I, I'm sorry. Happy birthday. Ah, no problem. Thank you. <laughs> Can't yeah. believe you're on the show on your birthday. I feel like there's a hundred other things you could be doing right now, brother. <laughs> the. Uh, no, my, my wife and I, we, de- we decided we would uh, have a little getaway in, in terms of, of uh, an anniversary. And uh, since grouse season had opened up, I thought it was a good chance to, to uh, take the dogs and, and sneak away, you know, a couple of mornings here and there and, and get out in the woods up there. The, uh, it certainly was, it was, not, oh, it was nice to be out in the, be out in the field and, and uh, the dogs did, they did well. The, uh, I, can't say that uh, it was easy easy conditions from a, a standpoint that all the leaves were still on the trees and it was really tough to uh, to see the birds when they flushed. But uh, the dogs really the dogs really enjoyed it. Good and uh, and it was you know I'm going to say even on a even under tough hunting conditions it's always good to be out in the be out in the woods with the dogs. All right, I want two pieces of advice. The first piece of advice is when you go to a place like the UP. And it's so big and giant and vast. How do you pick cover? And the second piece of advice is on your anniversary, how do you get your wife to go to the UP? Uh, you know, just, uh, <laughs> well, I, I, I'm going to say in terms of, in terms of that, we have some good friends that, that, uh, live up there and they've got a, they've got a cabin that, that sits on a, a little small lake. And, uh, you know, we threw the, threw the dogs in, threw the kayaks in and, uh, just headed headed north. I mean, it's, we were we were scheduled to go to the Canadian Rockies this this year for our for our anniversary. That was uh, we were scheduled to go there on our honeymoon, and, and her mother got sick, and we didn't go. And we and uh, I've been up there a couple of times, but she had never been. So we were going this year, and with the the COVID 
situation, uh, that was not an option. So, so we, we chose to, to go up and hang out at our friend's cabin on the, in the UP. And, you know, I took the, I took, I took advantage of it, took the dogs along and, uh, it worked out, you know. Good for you. Now, how do you scout? How do you, or does each hunt a scout? It, 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 well, in terms of that, it, it, uh, it really is, you know, luckily their, their property is surrounded by, by state land. So it, you know, I can't say that I, I went into it with a, with a plan other than, you know, looking out of, looking out of place and, and getting out in the woods and seeing what it looked like. And luckily they have, you know, the bird population is pretty good up there. So, uh, even, even if you make a mistake and don't go to the best place, it, it's still pretty good. That's really neat. That's really neat. That's one place I, I've been to Michigan for grouse hunting once and a, it was my setter's first season, first real hunt. And so that was an experience in and of itself, but we didn't make it far enough North. We just went to a grouse management area near a wedding I was going to. And, um, you know, didn't have any luck truthfully, but it was, I had an hour here and an hour there in between the weddings. I was a groomsman, but I was like dipping out being like, Oh yeah, I'll be back in an hour and, you know, figuring things out. But, um, I've never been to the UP and I'd like to someday. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what I'm going to say in terms of that, you know, when you, when you talk about, you know, hunting, going hunting up there versus, you know, either Southern Ohio or, uh, my wife's originally from Western New York, so there in the you know Wyoming, Cattaraugus County area, you know there they have pretty pretty decent uh, grouse populations. But it's a you know there's an awful lot of hills up and down in, in both of those places, and, and that is one nice thing about the UP. It's pretty flat, but with that said, the the under you know the understory is pretty thick too until until they lose uh, drop the leaves and. Uh, I've never, you know, I, I guess I've never been up there when it was, you know, deep snow. I'm not sure how, you know, how effective the, the hunting is to try to do in that, that deep snow. I know when I go, when I've been to New York a, a few times when they've had like some of those crazy lake effect snows, you know, it gets to be a little challenging when the grouse get to hanging out in the, in the hemlocks and not down on the ground. It gets a little confusing for the dogs, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess regardless of the day, I, I, I always view it as being lucky if I'm out in the woods with the dog. Yeah. That's a great way of looking at it. No, we, so I told everybody in our intro that this is volume two, episode one, (laughs) (laughs) that we did have an error. So some of these questions are going to be repeat, but I, I did find it funny and awesome that your wife is from Western New York in that Cattaraugus County area, because that's where Kevin and I went to college at St. Bonaventure university and shame on me, I never grouse hunted when we were there. We did duck and goose and deer, but mm-hmm. but never tried to grouse hunt. That was something post-college that I found interest in. And um, so you, you you know, when you would go back home to visit her family, you, you grouse hunted that area? Yeah, you know, I, I got kind of lucky. Uh, one of her high school classmates, uh, that she remains really good friends with. Her dad was a, he was a big time grouse hunter. And, uh, when we, you know, when we would visit, I, I, you know, I can't remember. We went over to, to her parents, uh, house just to, I, I can't remember why we stopped by. And me and her dad got to, to talking about it. And, 
So from then on, when, when I was going to be up there during season, you know, I'd take, I'd take the dog with me and we would go, we would go hunting. And then one of our brother-in-laws, uh, he has a pretty, pretty nice uh, piece of property. Him and his wife bought that has a few, few grouse on it. It's not, not great hunting, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's still good. I mean, it, it, the bird population's not real high on that property, but they do have grouse and, and, uh, it's still pretty, pretty good to get out, get out there and, and watch the dogs work. But, uh, you know, certain, certain areas up there, I would say it, it's more of a uh, little isolated pockets of birds. Uh, but they do have, uh, you know, luckily I'm going to say I, I had, uh, the, the privilege of being going along with someone who had hunted there for, for, you know, almost 60 years. And so he, uh, he had a lot of nice spots. That's really cool. That's really cool. Now, Russ, where did you grow up and what was your youth hunting experience like? Yeah, so I grew up in, in South Alabama, just, uh, just North of the Florida panhandle border. So LA, lower Alabama, and, uh, grew up, uh, in terms of upland hunting, uh, almost exclusively Bob whites. We did occasionally, you know, I'm going to say we did occasionally get some, some woodcocks that would would come through but not a, not a lot not enough to, to say anything and and uh early season it was you know we would do dove hunting and and then of course as the seasons got, or the the winters would come on uh we did a lot of uh, deer hunting in the afternoons quail hunting in the mornings and uh you know unfortunately a lot of times by noon it's it's so hot that the dogs are they're they're finished by noon uh when it when it's getting up to be 80 degrees but we would, you know, late afternoons, we would, we would deer hunt. And then in the spring, of course, we did a lot of turkey hunting. We did not, we did some, some wood uh, duck hunting, but it was, it was mostly wood ducks. Uh, we, we got very few, you know, I'm going to say migratory birds through uh, every once in a while, maybe a couple of times a year, take a drive north, go up on the Tennessee river uh, to do some migratory bird uh, duck hunting. Uh, but, you know, that was, it was more, you know, it didn't happen, but a couple of times a year that we would get up there and, you know, get a hold of some green heads or something. But, uh, Back, you know, I don't know, man. So I'm sorry to interrupt you. I didn't mean to. Back then, were your dogs, quote unquote, versatile, where you had dogs that would be out with you doing the quail and, and some woodcock and then be able to go pick up green heads? Or were you, you know, using retrievers for the ducks and then your pointers or slash setters for the upland? Yeah, pretty, uh, pretty much, you know, pretty much I had, uh, I'm going to say most of the time I had a, a, a pointer and a setter and, uh, occasionally I would have, you know, a, a pointer and a German short hair and I use them, I'm going to say almost exclusively for, for upland, uh, for quail hunting. Uh, I did have a, I had a lab, uh, one of my, you know, I'm going to say favorites, probably just from a, a standpoint that I had him for so long and, and, uh, grew up with him that he went almost everywhere with me. So even if I was quail hunting, he was, he came along, he just sort of hung out with me and then he would, he would find the, the down birds. And, and, uh, I had a, the German short air, he was good. He was good at, at picking up, you know, picking up dead birds. But, uh, I don't know the pointer pointer along that line. He, he really was a, he was, he was, he was a, a point guy and then he liked to move on and, and get, <laughs> go find more. So, uh, yeah. It was good to have the have the lab and the and the and the German short hair or the setter along in terms of, of picking up singles and, and dead birds. But uh, he went the that male lab. He went with me probably uh, 
you know, I don't know, 90, 95% of the time he was with me wherever I was unless I was uh, at school. That's really cool. Now, where did you go to school? So in terms of uh, college, I, I went to the uh, Auburn University for both my undergraduate and, and graduate uh, school. And I, I was an uh, older student when I went in. I farmed for you know quite a few years, five years when I finished high school. And I, I loved the, the farming life, but Man, it was a tough. It was tough to uh, make a living and and uh, get bigger. And uh, my dad stayed after me, luckily. So it, when I turned twenty five, I, I said, "Fine." I said, "I will uh, go." So I applied to two schools. I applied to, to Auburn. I applied to Georgia uh, because I, I wanted to go into the, the school of agriculture. Agriculture I got accepted, but uh, because of one of the insurance companies at that point, they were they offered me a a scholarship to a, one of the state schools and, and with the combination of that scholarship and uh, in-state tuition, Auburn was a easy decision uh, financially. Uh, but, you know, I had a great time, great time there and, uh, you know, made a lot of, made a lot of good friends and uh, still keep up with, with, with several of those, particularly, I'm going to say some of my, my professors, I still stay in contact with uh, to the day. So no way. So, you know, your background in agriculture and then in school, you're taking classes for agriculture. Where did the nutrition portion come in and where did it trigger like the light bulb that said, boy, this could be, this could be something for a career. You know, it was that, uh, you know, I'm going to say, I feel extremely, extremely fortunate there. My primary area in terms of graduate school, my primary area was embryonic development regula- or regulation of embryonic growth. And uh, that was primarily in the, the uh, beef cattle and then pig. Uh, so basically farm animals. And uh, I always tried to work with other grad students in terms of, of trying to you know, combine projects. And typically we always had a nutritional component to the, all the projects that we did. And, you know, therefore, so I, even though I wasn't a nutrition student, uh, I picked up a lot of, of nutrition. And then, uh, you know, it's also when we were, particularly when we were looking at sort of influences on embryonic development, uh, maternal nutrition had to be a, you know, a big component of that. Uh, so I picked up, you know, more knowledge there. And then I, I, I have to say, I, I got extremely lucky. The Imes company at the time, uh, they were looking to expand their efforts in the maternal nutrition area, and uh, I was contacted, came up, interviewed with the with the strategic group, and uh, you know it was really I'm going to just say it was a really just spectacular group um, in terms of of there. It was almost like an academic department in terms of that group. You know, just felt felt right at home right from the start, and uh, joined that group and. Uh, you know, been, been learning, you know, I'm going to say learning uh, more and more nutrition every day for the last 24 years. And I, you know, I, I wish I said, I, I felt like I knew everything, but I, I know that's not true. And uh, I think that's one of those, those situations where we hopefully uh, are going to continue to, to learn more and more. I think, I think, uh, you know, we have, we have just as much left to learn about nutrition as we we've learned so far in the last you know, say a hundred years, but, uh, Oh, absolutely. And I would say that it, in the last five years, it's been skyrocketing northward. Uh, yeah. Well, certainly, yeah, certainly, certainly some of the, 
some of the technologies that we have to help help us work through some of the pathways and uh, some of the, the mechanisms of action are, you know, it is much, much easier this day and age to, to, to get data. But with that said, the more, you know, the more, the more questions we, we answer, uh, the more questions that, are, that arise in terms of we need answers to. And uh, sure. I think one of the, I think one of the fascinating areas that I, I've actually, it's so, you know, potentially so complex, it scares me a little bit is the, you know, the whole interaction between the, the microbiome and the host animal. You know, we think about, you know, it, it, a lot of that research is being done in humans, but there's quite a bit going on in the, in the dog and, and the cat as well. But when we think about from a, you know, a functional gene standpoint, to, you know, to go from, from 2,000 functional genes for the dog to 20,000 functional genes when we include the bacteria, you know, that's, that's quite a bit of, of magnitude higher when, when we start talking about a tenfold increase in the amount of functional genes uh, that an animal, the dog, contains, although the, the vast majority of those are not, not his own DNA. All right. Uh, but I'm going to slow you down for a second there, Russ, because I'm just <laughs> a damn dog trainer, buddy. Break it down for me, because I, I think I'm picking up what you're putting down, but just right. break it down a little bit All for right, me. Well, so yeah, basically in terms of like the, the microbiome, we're talking about the bacteria that, you know, live in the dog, either the, you know, the gastrointestinal tract or on the skin. But those bacteria, just like us or the dog, they have DNA, uh, you know, they produce proteins, they process nutrients. And then from those nutrients, they produce other nutrients or other compounds, and because they're residing in the dog, some of those compounds, you know, likely have physiological activity in the dog. So when we when we start talking about the impact of a of a dog's diet, we have to take into consideration not only what nutrients the dog is is breaking down and absorbing, but we have to think about what the what nutrients the bacteria are are basically utilizing and then what nutrients they're producing, uh, and the, that the dog then potentially can use. So you know, when we start, when we step back and, and look at it from a, you know, from a high level altitude, you know, it is a, a extremely complex picture uh, that we're, that we're just now starting to, I'm going to say explore. I, I want to say understand. We're not there yet, but we're starting to, to make some good exploration in terms of, of trying to figure out how those two, uh, or how the ecosystem is working. That's really, really cool. It's like if I had to maybe explain it in Uncle Bob terms, it'd be like, we feed X, the dog eats it, and then all the little organisms and whatnots inside the dog's belly are intaking that nutrients and then maybe releasing their own, like they're using it and then releasing it. And then that dog is still has it in their system and it's producing energy, negative energy, positive energy, whatever, like it could make it lethargic if it has too much of this. It could make it even more rambunctious and blah, blah, blah for that, right? Yeah, we and, and uh, you know, when we get, when we move into talking about uh, this new performance line, you know, we can give some specific examples there of, of this interaction uh, where we've intentionally included specific ingredients in the diet that are not intended to be used by the dog, but they're in they're they're being provided specifically to feed a select group of the bacteria that that reside within their GI tracts. Like a probiotic. Well, we uh, our foods we don't have a probiotic in it, but we provide prebiotics, which are the nutri- nutritional substrates for 
the lactic acid producing bacteria uh, and many of the are several of the lactic acid bacteria are considered to be probiotics. Gotcha. All right. I'm with you. So we're, we're, yeah. So we're feeding, we're feeding those bacteria where they produce uh, a specific class of fatty acids, short chain fatty acids uh, that is, and those, those nutrients are then utilized by the epithelial cells that line the, the dog's GI tract. Okay. All right. So before we dig into that, the new formula and some of the, the good stuff coming up, I have a couple questions about, you know, the general 30,000 foot view of, of these canine athletes and feeding them and pup from the puppy to the normal dog to mothers and, and whatnot. So trying to attack everybody's position that listens to this, all our listeners, right? They got a four month old puppy that they bought and they're feeding it. You can a large breed puppy. Um, I want to talk a little bit about that formula and the positives of that formula. Um, I know we're not really going to talk about this company versus that company, but I want to talk about the, the things that that puppy is being provided, knowing that it's developing muscular and all that jazz. Like, talk about that puppy formula for a second and, and the, the good stuff, right? Yeah, so in terms of the, the whole theory behind large breed puppy formulas is, uh, you know, research has, has clearly identified that these large breed puppies that are that are basically oversupplied nutrition and grow grow to their maximum rate tend to develop more skeletal problems, whether that be, you know, show up in exasperating uh, hip problems or, or, or shoulder or elbow. Uh, but if we can basically feed these puppies where their growth rate is slowed, and, uh, and when we talk about slowing down their growth rate, we're not altering how big these dogs are going to get. We're just basically altering how many months does it take them to get there. So instead of a you know, a, a lab being fully, fully uh, grown at, at 12 months, we're slowing that puppy down where it's 15, 16 months before it's, you know, physically mature, uh, may not be certainly, you know, I've never had one that was mentally mature at that age, but, but, uh, <laughs> but from a physical standpoint, the, the dog is reaching uh, its mature status. Right. It's just, we're, we basically have taken it longer to get there. And then the other thing, of course, that, that we want to keep those dogs lean, uh, you know, in terms of maximizing their joint health. And after all, I mean, when we look at it, getting a dog is a, you know, it is a, an investment that just pays so such back such large dividends back to us in terms of the pleasure they provide us. And, you know, it's one of those where I always try to stress, got to be patient with a puppy. You know, too many times I see, you know, I see people that are rushing them when they get to be six, seven, eight, nine months old. And the, the dog is starting to take on that mature look. You know, they just, they want to just go out and see what the dog's, you know, capable of. And I just have to remind people to, you know, stay patient with that with that puppy, you can do a you can do a, a lot of damage uh, letting that dog do some of the things it can do. I'm not saying that they can't physically do some of the feats that people ask them to do. You always ask the question: Should the dog be doing that at that age? Uh, you know, because it only takes you know one one wrong jump or you know to, to basically do some some damage that's going to be a life lifetime hindrance to that dog. And, uh, you know, we may end up having to retire at two or three years before it should have had to been, uh, simply because, you know, we, arthritis developed in a joint that we, we allowed to be damaged by 
pushing the dog physically too soon uh, rather than being patient. And, uh, you know, certainly when, when you start training those dogs, uh, I always like to, to use the term water is your friend. And, uh, you know, with that, you can get a lot of muscle definition and a lot of good exercise on a dog by letting them get in the water and swim, get a good core workout. There's very little, I'm going to say, pressure put back on the joint if a dog is swimming versus pounding down a pounding out on the either a hard surface or uh, you know hopefully not not working a lot of them on asphalt or concrete but right. you know some of the some of the dirt can still be uh, pretty hard and uh, you know in terms of that certainly the the, the dogs will want to, to go uh, but we have to we have to look after them you know sort of just like we do our we do our kids we have to you know basically ask them not to do stuff every once in a while that that they could get hurt and uh, you know the same with our dogs. We have to, uh, you know, basically ask ourselves, is it, you know, is this smart long-term if, if I want to have that dog and still be hunting her, you know, when she's, you know, 12, 13, 14, right. you know, we get lucky 15. Right, right, right. No, I agree. Uh, so to double back for a second, the, the puppy formula is designed to, in essence, naturally have them develop at a rate that doesn't, overspeed the process. There's not X amount of resources and nutrients in that product that makes them grow too quickly. They're still going to reach their normal size. They're still going to do everything normal. It's just going to be at a rate that the body can stay keeping up with it basically, right? Yeah. And uh, that, that's exactly right, Kevin. And, and uh, I think the, the key there too is it, you know, it will help promote this slow growth. But with that said, you know, we still have to be part of that because, you know, if we overfeed that formula, you know, the same, the, the net result will be the energy's going to increase and, and the dog's going to, you know, it's going to hit its, you know, potentially close to its maximum growth, growth rate. So it's one of those where it's, it is a management tool to help us maximize our chances of getting a, a, a puppy, a healthy adult from that puppy. Gotcha. All right. So now that we're, and then, a, and then a, oh, go and ahead. The, I think the, not the one other one other key point is uh, in terms of, of that particular puppy. All of our puppy foods, it does you know it also does contain like enhanced levels of, of DHA or docosahexaenoic acid, which is a, a really uh, important omega three fatty acid for neurological tissue. Uh, so in terms of that, you know, I will say that one of the, the projects I, I had the privilege of, of being part of was, was demonstrating that, that DHA can improve the trainability of puppies. And um, all of our, you know, all of our puppy formulas, including the large breed puppy, have enhanced levels of that, that nutrient to, to basically promote that, you know, the optimal neurological development. You know, none of us want to want a dog that doesn't listen to us or doesn't doesn't respond to to commands uh, or loses focus out in the field. Right. So you guys were the leaders in the DHA. Yeah, that was a. We, I worked on. I'm going to say worked on that area for. Uh, it, it was close to a 10 year start to finish. We started out looking at. Uh, you know, I'm going to say we. I had a, a really large data set from a from a group. And um, I was looking at, at their sort of nutritional usage and sort of observed that when they were feeding foods that had a, a elevated omega-3 content, they, uh, it appeared to have better reproductive performance. And I was really curious about why omega-3s would be such a strong influence on omega-3s. 
so we started out looking at uh, what was going on from a maternal standpoint and then went from discovered that that in fact uh, DHA was being uh, depleted in the in the on the uh, brood bitch and, and then we looked at what was going on with the puppies and went from there to what the direct impacts were on a growing puppy both from a maternal supplementation and or just independent uh, at post weaning and, and found in both cases that elevated DHA levels can improve their ability to uh, focus or perform uh, specific tasks when, when asked. Cool. So that leads me to, I, I was actually going to dive into DHA, so I'm glad you did it. But uh, it leads me to a question that we received via social media and we tackled it on a recent YouTube video, and it it ha- it pertains to pregnant females. And the video was about feeding and exercising pregnant females. And I'd like your take on, you know, we breed a female, she gets bred today. Right. Now, until she delivers, walk me through that process of like the trimesters, if you will, and feeding them and all that jazz. Well, so in terms of that early, let's, I'm going to say basically from from breeding, uh, breeding up to let's you know let's say about six weeks into the pregnancy. You know, from an energy standpoint, not a lot has changed in terms of how much energy uh, the brood bitch needs. You know, we're we're talking about it. You know, at 42 days, you know, we're, we're puppies are still less than a less than an ounce in weight. So there's there's not a lot of growth that has taken place. But that doesn't mean that, that, you know, from an energy standpoint, nothing has changed much. But that doesn't mean that there hasn't been uh, nutritional changes. Uh, certainly from a, a standpoint, if we think about the demands, uh, particularly for the essential amino acids, uh, the essential fatty acids, um, and, and DHA would be in that classification of essential fatty acids. Omega-3s and omega-6s are deemed in the essential uh, fatty acid category. But the requirement for those nutrients have certainly been increased in that pregnant mother, even in that early stage. And if we think about, you know, what all what all her diet is having to, to take care of. So none of her, you know, all of her maintenance requirements are still there. But now, you know, she's also having to supply nutrients to, to for the growth of her uterus, for the growth of the, the puppies. For the growth of the and the and sort of preparation for lactation, the mammary tissue. So there's a lot of there's a lot of nutritional in, uh, changes that have taken place, even though her um, the amount of energy that she's uh, needing has not gone up much. Um, so with that, you know, in terms of you know switching over, uh, certainly just an adult maintenance food is not ideal to to get them through that that period. And, and typically speaking, most most groups will recommend going to a, a puppy food. Uh, but with that said, we don't want to we want to make sure that we don't get her too too heavy uh, in terms of, of the amount of adipose tissue that that takes place. Can I and slow you down that, for one second? Sure. I, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you. So at some, you said some groups suggest switching right. to a puppy formula. That like that is a major question I get. And I'm not sure of the answer. So I'd like you to maybe clarify a little bit more of like what you mean by some groups. Does that include uh, yeah. you guys at Ukanuba, you personally? Like if I'm already feeding my female 30, 20 sport performance, Ukanuba. Yeah, I would, I would, uh, 
unless I, you know, and I'll point out in terms of, of, of our other brand, Royal Canine, we do have a, we have a, a maternal diet that's specifically designed for that early period and that brand uh, that basically is uh, exactly what I just described. It, it, it's not, it hasn't been increased in energy, but uh, you know, a lot of the critical nutrients we've increased. Uh, but I will tell you that if you had a, a, a brood bitch on 3020, uh, certainly that diet is more than capable of providing the, the essential nutrients that she's going to need and her puppy's going to need. Okay. Um, and, you know, and if that diet is working for you and her, you know, I am always hesitant to, to switch something that's working. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those where, um, you know, hopefully you're going to, if you're, if you're breeding her to, to produce puppies, uh, hopefully you're not, once you bred her, you're not going to be pushing her as hard as you were uh, when you were campaigning her. And uh, if, if you, you know, if you feel like that you're going to continue to campaign her at a high level, then I would, I would, you know, basically recommend that you back, you know, don't plan on breeding her. Uh, if you're going to invest the, the time to, to get, you know, a, a litter out of her, uh, make sure that, that you take care of her and let her take care of the pups to the best of your ability. And uh, I'm not saying you, ha- you, you can't work her, uh, but you, you can't campaign her at the same, same level you would if she was, you know, she wasn't bred. Okay. So this is where I'm going to start asking from Bob's point of view, not our listeners, because yeah. I definitely still work them. And, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent, I'm, now I'm asking your opinion. For the first four weeks of her pregnancy, I am cautious but also let them still do their thing. You know, I'm not, I'm not grinding on them by any means, but I'm still keeping them very physically fit. I'm throwing them birds. I'm letting them run. They're running with the four wheeler. They're doing their thing. Um, Yeah. And all, and all of that sounds, all of that sounds fine. I, 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 you know, all I'm going to say in terms of that, if you're, if you've got one of these dogs that you are like pushing to the limit in, in terms of like you're, you're, you're feeding her uh, pretty, you know, pretty heavy meals. It's taking everything that, that, that meal can do to, to keep weight on her. You may want to back down on that situation. Gotcha. So if you're, you know, if you're sitting there having to feed her, you know, five cups of, of the 30, 20 sports to keep weight on her uh, before you, before she was bred, you may want to back down on that a little bit. Uh, during, you know, just, and I, and I say that from a a standpoint, if it's taking all of the nutrients that she can to take care of her body, she's going to basically, you know, she's going to sacrifice her body for the act of reproduction. Uh, So with that, you know, she may not, her muscles, you know, that get damaged from, from the physical activity, those may not be repaired back a hundred percent because she's taking taking the amino acids that, that's available from the breakdown of that muscle tissue and instead of putting it back into the muscle she's diverting that to to take you know to basically two of the puppies or to the to the growth of the uterus or to the growth of the uh preparing mammary tissue gotcha because that's going to be her that's going to be her top priority okay so then let's say again using my dog as the example let's say I've, I've noticed everything's good to go. She's maintaining body weight. She's not overeating. Life is good. At around the four week mark, I scale back on Mm -hmm. the exercise and the mental and physical stress, if you will use that term loosely, but the stress of uh, under her body, 
I keep her in shape. I keep her happy. She's not just penned up doing nothing, but all the aerobic stuff starts to scale back and I keep the food basically the same. There's two parts that I'm curious about. One, you mentioned about adding, you know, a puppy food thought. Um, And then the second is like, do you increase food? You know, anything like that. Yeah. So it's that. Yeah, in terms of that, you don't need to start increasing increasing the, the energy intake until after that six weeks. Um, that you know, six to nine weeks, uh, you can you know. And I'm going to give you an example here. So if you're you've got a bitch and you're feeding her the the thirty twenty sport, and you're feeding uh, you know, let's just say three cups three cups of food a day, and then you hit that day six weeks. So between that six weeks and and she whelps. You want to basically just almost on a, a daily basis sort of creep the amount of food that, that she's eating up. And by, you know, by the end of our middle part of that seventh week, the early part of the eighth week, you know, I would say that you would want to be in that, you know, four and a half to, to cups of intake, something like that, maybe five. But it's, a, it's about a 50% increase in the amount of energy that last three weeks of pregnancy. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that's, I, that's what I've done. Um, but you had mentioned puppy food and that's a question that we get. Do we start feeding the mother's puppy yeah, food? It, what, well, what do we do about and, that? Yeah. And I think, in, I think in terms of, of there, uh, when I talk about, you know, I'm going to say transitioning to a puppy food, that's if a, if a dog is on an adult maintenance type formula. So if they're, if they're eating like an adult maintenance food, then I really like to see them transition to either, you know, let's just say a puppy food or a, a particularly a food that's, that has been, certainly I, I want one that's been in, has enhanced levels of DHA in it. Uh, and, and typically the, the adult foods don't have, say, enhanced levels. It may contain DHA, uh, but it's typically a, a, a maintenance type level. Um, and, that's one of the most critical nutrients for her in terms of reproduction. Um, so we want to make sure that whatever we're feeding during pregnancy has elevated levels of, of DHA. And that typically comes in puppy, puppy diets, uh, our, our performance diets, or a, a diet that's specifically been uh, formulated for growth or for reproduction. Okay. So let's break it down even simpler, assuming that. I am the example. I am a Yukonuba feeder and my females are on 30, 20 sport. Mm-hmm. Just so think, every, yeah, everybody knows I, what yeah, we I would do. If, if, yeah. If you're, if you're feeding exercise or sport, you, you're going to be good to go. And then and at it, six weeks, increase the volume correct. by 50% over the course of a little bit of time. Not, uh, I'm sorry, not, not the volume, uh, the energy level. So, you know, do, do your, you know, do your math and I'll, I'm going to keep it, you know, pretty, pretty simple here. If, if it's 400 calories, uh, K, uh, KCALs of metabolizable energy per cup and she's eating three, that's 1200, uh, calories. And somewhere around that eight week, you want to have her up to, you want to basically increase that up to 1800 calories. Okay. Not, not on a volumetric standpoint, the 50%, but on an energy basis, you want to be up about 50% from her maintenance, her maintenance uh, requirements. Okay. All right. I'm with you. And so I got you. All right. We can, we can move on from there. I dig it. Yeah. But we get that question a lot and it's, mm-hmm. 
it's hard for me to answer because I only know what my experience is and, and we've right. had yeah, and, good experience. Yeah. yeah and, 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 you know, I'm going to tell you when I, when, you know, when I, when I was breeding uh, Labrador retrievers, my practice was just exactly what you just described. I, I used, you know, I used Dukanuba 3020 uh, premium performance. And, you know, I just, I kept the, I kept my breeding bitches on that. Uh, increase that and you know I basically fed it from you know from breeding to three weeks post uh, post weaning and uh, and if I, I were gonna you know put them back in the put them back in the field then they never came off of it I just all I was doing was adjusting the amount of food that I fed gotcha all right before we dive into the new formulas I want to ask about the next poignant dog food, Google search, gluten-free, grain-free, all organic, my dog's a wolf and it eats from the wild deal. You know, I know that I've talked about it on the podcast before and a lot of these companies are, are playing on emotion and playing on some advertising money and I, I want. I know that we've got to kind of tippy toe around things a little bit, but I want to talk about ingredients and nutrition and the science behind the food, and then maybe dispel some myths and and stuff like that. But let's talk about grain free diet and some things that people should be thoughtful of. Yeah, and I'm you know I'm not gonna. I guess in terms of I'm not gonna throw so many companies under the bus or anything. I, you know I'll let you know right off you know right in front. I'm not a fan of them. I'm not going to say that there's not a few formulas out there that haven't been put together really well uh, that are in that you know grain feed category, but you know there's a lot of diets out there that that have not, and uh, you know I feel yeah I, I don't know I, I mean I do feel I feel bad for customers out there trying to make a decision based on all the marketing messages that is that is put in front of them um, you know and some <laughs> you know I don't know it's just maybe it's just a Maybe it's just the time of the, you know, it's the time of the world. Uh, there's a whole lot of half truths that uh, are positioned as facts, uh, right. and and our, you know, I'm going to say it goes with our our industry as well. Yeah, I, I think in terms of when we when we th- particularly for these these dogs in the sporting and working uh, world, I mean, if we step back and we watch what they're doing, I mean, we have to, you know. It's it's pretty amazing in terms of their physical abilities, and uh, you know, with that, we really should strive to to provide the best nutrition we can. And I'm gonna, you know, for the next few minutes, I'm gonna use that that word uh, quite a bit. Nutrition, nutrition is really the delivery of nutrients to to the dog uh, for the for the use of, of the maintenance and growth and and uh, performance of its body and Ingredients are simply vectors that supply nutrients. There is no uh, there is no quality aspect that's linked in terms of, of ingredient. Uh, An ingredient, you know, doesn't guarantee that it's nutritious. Uh, right. You know, nutrients are related to nutrition. Uh, ingredient is just simply a vector of which it's delivered, and the quality of an ingredient really is dictated by a couple of things. One, how digestible is that material? And that really means based on how much of the, the material that the dog eats, does it, does it absorb and utilize by its body? 
And then secondly, is going to depend upon the nutrient profile. So in terms of when we're talking proteins, uh, it really comes down to how digestible and what the amino acid profile of that protein is. And when we talk about a lipid or fat, it's really how digestible, and most fats are highly digestible. So then, then comes the, the question, what is the fatty acid profile? Because we can take, a, you know, we can take a, a diet that's 40% protein and have a dog that's protein deficient because it simply is a, is a collection of low digestible uh, material. And so the dog simply can't break down and it ends up going down into the, to the GI tract. And then uh, the, some of the bacteria that like protein, the ferment protein, end up, we end up feeding those. And, and those are typically not bacteria that are associated with health. Uh, they tend to, it tends to go the other way. And uh, I think we've all been around a, you know, a dog that had really putrid smelling feces. And typically that, you know, that's a strong indicator of a lot of protein fermentation taking place. So, yeah, in, ter- in terms of that, I think that, uh, you know, for, for these special dogs, it is really good to, to make sure you, you get a, a good working relationship with a company that is paying attention to the type of dog that you have and what, what you're doing with them. So with that, you know, I, I'm going to say that you know, I, I hope people would take a look at us. I, you know, and certainly there's other, there's other, a uh, few other companies out there that uh, are investing to, to basically explore the nutritional requirements of, of these special dogs. And, uh, you know, I would say in terms of that, try to try to form a relationship with one of those companies. And, uh, you know, and, and from there, I think you, you're, you're going to be able to get, you know, a lot more insights as to, to what that food is providing than what we can legally put on a bag or that's you know, something, what can be described. That's kind of something I want to touch on that I learned from you uh, in person was ingredients that we've been taught, right? That we read on the back of a label and what those things really mean and how someone like yourself draws nutrients from those ingredients. It might say X and via marketing, X has become a negative, but really from a scientist and nutritionist standpoint, it's what you pull from that X ingredient is what gives a, our dog nutrients. So can you kind of yeah, uh, yeah, give an example yeah. of that? Sure. Uh, I, I mean, I think a, a perfect example is, is, uh, you know, which is chicken byproduct meal. Um, you know, it's certainly, it's had a, it's had a rough go for the last five years, but it's a really an unfair, it's, it's really an unfair marketing campaign against it because it's really a, can be a really, really nice material. You know, in terms of that, if we take, you know, it's, it's counterpart chicken, and we have chicken byproduct meal. The chicken byproduct meal, you know, is going to include the internal organs, which are extremely rich when it comes to the essential amino acids, the essential fatty acids. The the internal organs are far more rich in those nutrients than skeletal muscle. And, but with that, you know, I'm going to say through marketing campaigns, it's been people's visions of when they see chicken on the the label. You know, they think of a you know that boneless, skinless chicken breast or that roasting chicken picture that's put on the bag. And it could be that. It could be either one of those two, but it could also be uh, chicken is all could also be a, a, a carcass that's been completely, you know, maybe there's only just very little 
skeletal muscle left, that is also chicken. So, so when we see chicken on a label, you know, there's, there's, you know, 30 grades of, of chicken out there and it might be a grade, you know, grade one, it might be grade 30. It's still all chicken, but in terms of the digestibility, you know, that the range on that material might be, you know, close to 90% on one end and, you know, in the sixties on the other. Right. Uh, and the same could be is in terms of chicken byproduct meal. I'm not saying that it is, you know, it's immune to that. It, that. It's the same case there. But when we talk about like a refined chicken byproduct meal or the same, you know, sort of grade for grade uh, from a nutritional standpoint, the vast majority of the time, the chicken byproduct meal is going to win from a, a nutrient density standpoint when we look at like the essential amino acids and essential fatty acids. Right. And basically, again, in layman's terms for for me, Uncle Bob, I'm looking at it like the label tells a story and it can be spun in several different ways. And like you said, we have to build a relationship with a company that we trust as well as how our dogs perform as an athlete. But but those nutrients are you're you're pulling the right things from those names. Right. Like, so it's chicken, chicken byproduct, chicken byproduct meal. You're pulling the nutrients in order to fuel and give the dog what they need. So you might, you might be pulling X from that chicken byproduct meal, but, but that X is what helps them break down the proteins to feed their muscles for growth. Yeah. And I I think in in terms of that, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to say in terms of, of, you know, our, our group, you know, we, I tell you, we, I mean, we have a lot of respect for dogs in the working and, and sporting segment. You know, they are, you know, they are, they are truly the, the exceptional when it comes to, to athletes. I mean, they are just marbles uh, of the, of the world, you know, it, and, you know, we, we spend a lot of time and we, we invest a lot of money in terms of trying to figure out how do we best deliver nutrients for that dog to do what we ask it to do day after day after day in a magnificent level, uh, extraordinary level, you know, and we're not, we're not going to get that if we, if we basically just say, ah, you know what, it doesn't matter. Just make it look good on the, make it look good on the bag and uh, put it out there. And that's, you know, there's, there's groups that do that. And, uh, you know, I, I guess I apologize for the industry for, for those, you know, those groups actions, but, uh, you know, it's one of those where I think you as a, you know, you as an owner, or, or your your listeners, uh, you know, they they should basically just it it doesn't take a lot, but you know, pick up the phone and and start start a dialogue, you know, in terms of the customer care. And I don't think it'll take you very long to to figure out if you're the company that you're dealing with is a partner for you or are just basically there to to sell you a product. Yeah, couldn't agree more. So with that being said, in an effort to stay innovative and pushing the pace forward, Yukonuba has created and formulated and maneuvered their their diet into a new formula. Can you talk talk to us about that? Yeah, I, I, and I, I will say it, you know, it was not, uh, so this move is, is bold and it's not something that we, <laughs> I'm going to say that we, we did without a lot of debate and a lot of, of evaluation. You know, the sunset, the flagship of, of the, of the brand, the Yukonuba Premium Performance, you know, we sunset that formula and we we relaunched the Premium Performance line with with four uh, four new diets in that portfolio. 
uh, and they're very different from where we were before. Uh, we had our active, and then we had our 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 thirty twenty. Uh, these four these four new diets are are dramatically different in our approach. They're they're basically I'm gonna I'm gonna say a, a, a accumulation of what what we've learned over the last you know fifty years and and bit the bullet and said you know what we're gonna we're gonna do this for the dogs and. Uh, do it right, and we put we put four diets out there that that are specifically uh, designed to to basically uh, look at a, a dog's energy, the type of energy, uh, our type of exercise it's doing, and the duration of the exercise that it's doing, uh, and try to balance uh, an energy dense formula out there, providing the the type of fuel and the level of, of energy that that dog needs uh, to perform, and then we basically from a a benefit standpoint, uh, we provided the benefits across the board. So we're not asking people to, you know, pick out a joint diet or a skin diet or a, a, a GI health. Uh, basically, in terms of that, we're providing the, the benefits across the board, and we simply just need the, the owners to, to either work with us or on their own, uh, about, truly evaluate what level of energy does my dog need, and then select the right product. And with that, we have a we have a product that, uh, the, our sprint product that's really designed for those dogs in the like agility or, or dock diving uh, world where, where their activities are, are very rapid, very intense, but it only lasts, you know, just a, a you know, seconds to, to just a few minutes. And those dogs are, are burning primarily carbohydrates for their, for their energy. So that, that diet is, is, uh, really loaded up in terms of, providing the carbohydrates that dog needs to perform that anaerobic res uh, respiration or anaerobic uh, metabolism. And then we shift into the exercise product, uh, which is a, a diet that's going to be, you know, I'm going to say a, a, a lot of dogs, uh, whether, whether we're talking about campaign dogs in the off season or just a, a lot of dogs that are just used, you know, maybe one day on the weekend or maybe a weekend. Uh, it, that diet's going to be a, a really nice fit for those for those dogs. We have the the sport, uh, which is you know I'm going to say going to be a lot of a lot of dogs in the sporting and working dog arena are going to fall into that diet. Uh, you know those dogs are are working you know half a days on on up. Then we have work, uh, which is a, our most nutrient dense diet, and that is really designed for those dogs that are going all day. Uh, this would include whether it's a you know an upland dog or a, a really really highly highly campaigned uh, retriever or certainly some of the sled dogs. Gotcha. And uh, you know regardless of that, you know we basically have, have, have basically uh, put in uh, a nice GI system, uh, our most advanced GI systems uh, technologies. Uh, they are slightly different in terms of the those fermentable fibers that we talked about early in the in the program. Uh, the Sprint diet uses a, a combination of, of FOS or fructooligosaccharides and beet pulp. And then the exercise, sport, and work uses a combination of MOS or nanooligosaccharides plus, plus beet pulp. And uh, the, the beet pulp is really a, a nice fermentable fiber that's, that's used by the uh, bacteria, to, uh, the lactic acid producing bacteria and other that produce short chain fatty acids to, to basically help support the the uh, cellular lining of the GI tract. Uh, we've enhanced the levels of chondroid protectives, uh, and, you know, glucosamine and chondroitin sulfate. We've, we've elevated the levels there. Uh, we've we've uh, basically promoted 
from a from a uh, inflammation standpoint, um, we've elevated the some of the EPA and DHA levels uh, from an antioxidant system. We have two different systems depending on the formula uh, for the sprint. Uh, we have we have more, a more traditional co uh, cocktail for those dogs because most of the most of their respiration is is the anaerobic, so they're not utilizing oxygen. So they don't produce as much oxidative stress as do the, the dogs that are working longer and, and longer. Uh, and for the other, the exercise, the sport, and the work product, we have our sport cocktail antioxidant system there. Uh, and basically, re that's coming out of research that, that demonstrates that uh, we can actually decrease the amount of oxidative stress that's going on, even though those dogs are utilizing a lot of oxygen in their metabolism. And, uh, and that, that's basically going to aid the, the, the more we control that, the, the quicker these dogs are going to be able to recover. Uh, so we, you know, hopefully we'll see faster recovery with those, with those formulas. Um, and from a, you know, we, we basically taken a new approach in terms of, of a new uh, amino acid profile. So uh, we, we feel confident you're going to really like in terms of like the muscle tone and performance uh, that we, we see in that. And it, to give you an idea, in terms of like the energy density, so the the old premium performance, uh, we typically have you know a, a, about 399 uh, kcal's per cup of food. There, uh, the new the new 3020 is just under 450 447 uh, kcal's of metabolizable energy per cup. Uh, so with that, don't you know don't they you know be aware that if you just go and pick up that new 3020 and you feed it like you did. Your old 3020, you're going to have a you're going to have a dog that starts gaining weight. Um, so you know, with that, you're going to you know you're going to need to back down on how much you offer that that dog. And if it's uh, one of those you know situations where uh, maybe you were feeding three cups of the old 3020 per day, um, you know you probably actually are going to need to go to the exercise product. Uh, and and uh, that's going to be you know maybe you're going to have to go to three and a quarter, but that that's going to be a much healthier move. Than, than trying to drop down to like two cups right. of food for a, uh, in terms of that. You need to look and make sure you're feeding, feeding your dogs a reasonable amount. And when we, when we start trying to select this, which one was going to be best fit for you. Right. For my kennel specifically, we've been feeding the 30-20 sport really for probably close to four months now. And I've 100% mm -hmm. seen a higher digestibility rate. I've seen some of the dogs that had, some of them had a harder time keeping weight on with the 3020 before are now keeping weight on with this formula without having to increase or decrease or do anything different. It's just, right. I've seen a, yeah. I've seen a truthful, very different, not that the old one was bad by any means. I was very pleased with it, but then you get this and you're like, Hmm, that dog is, that dog, I, I almost need to take him down a notch or you just, I start to notice and it yeah, just I looks think, good. Yeah. You know, I, I think for, you know, I'm going to say, I know that, uh, you know, change, change scares, uh, you know, a lot of people, maybe not everyone, but, but it's certainly uh, one that it's a word that not everyone is comfortable with. And, um, you know, this is, this is a, this is a change where, the, you know, truly the, the big winner here is the dog. Right. Um, you know, the, the nutrition is just, we've improved 
the nutritional platform, and we've made it, uh, you know, put forth a system that's going to help people better manage their dogs. And uh, I think, you know, with that said, you know, to give you an example, um, you know, we we tried to make these these chassis pretty uh, pretty close uh, in terms of a, you know a very very similar chassis to start off where the, the foundation of the diets and uh, you know for 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 you know like myself let's say you know I, I I you know I get a day here and there to take the dogs out I you know I still do conditioning but conditioning is not a day in the field hunting um, but I'm going to take you know I'm going to take two weeks off and I'm going to head to I'm going to head to the Dakotas and my dog is, you know, is on exercise. It's both are doing really well on that. But if I'm going to get ready to go up to the Dakota and I'm going to be there for, you know, for 10 days uh, a week, 10 days, 14 days, and I'm going to hunt every day, um, you know, I can quickly transition that my dogs to the sport to, to increase, dramatically increase their energy. But I'm still getting the same benefits and it's still a very closely related uh, platform that they're used to so I've got you know I don't worry about having you know my dog having diarrhea when I'm driving from Ohio to the Dakotas right that's pretty cool I mean yeah that's huge yeah, for guys sure. I mean yeah. that's huge for a guy like me for sure like well, I, I still yeah I still feel like I'll be the guy that I mean I've got to be average and what I mean by that is the dogs who would probably do better on exercise are going to be on 30, 20. And then the guys are on 30, 20 that might be on 20, 60. Like I've got to just for ease of life, I've got to have a middle ground. And, and for me, that's the 30, 20, but for the average dog owner, you know, being able to fluctuate a little bit, um, maybe the off season after duck season and, and upland bird hunting, they can scale back to that 2616, maintain a strong body weight, yet all the nutrition for an athlete for that two, three, four day a, a week training session. But then once they're out there grinding and putting miles on and, and the cold weather, they bump them up to the 3020 and don't really have to worry about a transition period of, you know, the digestive issues right. that can come with changing right. a dog food. That's right. pretty huge. Yeah, and, and all you know, all four of the diets have you know really, really nice uh, GI platforms. Um, you know, so in, in terms of that, even you know, I, I, I certainly, I certainly worry. You know, I, I used to be a big, a big uh, user of, of when I would, you know, take my dogs and go go on the road. Um, I would you know basically start using a probiotic about two weeks before I departed, and and keep them on that till about a week. Uh, to when I got home and, uh, I, this, this last trip, I, I basically said, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. I went with them cold and, uh, I had zero, I had zero problems. I was really pleased with that. I don't know if that's going to be, you know, I'm going to say that I'm going to get that every trip, but, but, uh, you know, certainly if I don't have to, I don't have to spend that 50 bucks on, on a, a probiotic, uh, to, to make sure that I'm maintaining that GI health, you know, that's, right. You know, I'm, I'm always willing to keep money in my pocket. Yeah, as well as do the best for our dogs. I mean, no, I couldn't agree more. So, you know, I think at the end of the day, if I'm looking at all our listeners and their average, the average Joe or Jane, I would say that the most Labrador duck hunters, the exercise 2616 would be a great fit. 
Yeah. And if, I think that I, I think too, Kevin. I, I want to point out too that that uh, you know those numbers are the minimum guaranteed nutrient level. So the the twenty six percent protein, sixteen percent fat. Uh, those are minimum guarantees. Those are not actual numbers. Uh, the the nutrient density uh, for that that formula is is you know I'm going to say higher than than that reflects. The same with the thirty twenty. Uh, so keep in mind that. You know, don't don't uh, think about from a you know a standpoint of you know 10 years ago or 20 years ago when somebody said oh you know 2616 that's a that's an adult maintenance formula you know in terms of the you know if we think about from a, the digestibility plus the the fact that it's going to be higher than those numbers uh, that that exercise product is a is a is fairly nutrient dense uh, right. formula. And, and like you said, I, I, I anticipate that, uh, you know, if we look at it from, let's, you know, let's basically take like the upland and the, and the waterfowl uh, populations, you know, the vast majority of the dogs are going to be on exercise or sport. Right. And, uh, and then there may be, a, you know, individual every once in a while that will, that will creep up uh, into that work formula. Uh, but the other thing to, to keep in mind is that we can, we can have, you know, if we have three or four or five dogs uh, we can play around with the, with the, the combination of those so if we have a you know a dog that's doing well on the exercise but it just needs just a little bit more uh, we may you know we make it replace one cup of its exercise with one cup of sport or vice versa if we have a dog that is on sport and it needs a little bit more uh, we could go to one cup of work and, and in contrast we could we could substitute if it needs a little bit less uh, we could substitute one cup of exercise. Uh, for that dog that's on sport, so it really does offer, it does offer the the owners uh, a really, you know, much more options uh, than our old platform. And uh, you know, I think people are going to be really, really tickled and pleased with the with the with the diets, the way they feed, and I think certainly they're going to like what they see with their dogs. I couldn't agree more. I hundred percent am behind this new formula and, and what I've seen in the last three, four months with, with my entire crew of dogs. It's, it's, it's really, really good stuff for us. And I know that energy, intelligence, uh, innovation, emotion from the Yukonuba team went into this new formula and like it didn't, it wasn't a, a one week process of, ah, let's no, try this. I'm sure yeah. it was years of like, pinpoint precision and and testing to bring us what we have now today so that innovation in our food and nutrition is what makes me feel super strong about this relationship between you know lone duck and and yukonuba so thank you for everything you've done for me and my dogs buddy you know in terms of that i i have to say that uh you know every time whether it's my dog or 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 somebody else's you know, I really feel, I feel lucky every time I'm out in the field with a dog and watch them, watch them work. I mean, they, I just love it. I mean, there's, there's, there's nothing, I don't think there's anything better than, than uh, seeing a dog in the field. Couldn't agree more. So, all right, Russ, we can get this now. The new formula is out to the market, correct? It is. It is it on is. Chewy and all the other areas that they want to go and buy it, right? Absolutely. And I think in terms of, you know, rather than me read off a list, you know, I think in terms of that, if they, if they just go online and, and look at, uh, you know, you could do and, and, uh, 
you know, basically ask where where they can get it retail. I mean, certainly Chewy is one of them. Um, and if they if they run into any issues, there's a there's a customer care number there on the website. You know, give that a call. Those are wonderful. You know, they're the wonderful people. Um, they do a great job working that the the customer care line, and they will be able to get you any information that you need. And um, you know, and and I guess with that, you know, certainly don't. If if you just have general questions, don't hesitate to give them a call. I mean, in terms of that, that's, you know, I'm going to say that's what we're here for is to to basically try to answer our customers' numbers and, uh, or I'm sorry, questions, uh, answer our customers' questions. And, uh, you know, in, in terms of that, it's, uh, you know, it's a, uh, every customer we view as, as, as being a, a partner uh, and we're, you know, we're very, very much, uh, want to make sure that we're providing a product that allows your dog to be everything that it was genetically potential, you know, in terms of its cap- capability. So. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Russ. Well, yep, if absolutely. there is literally no better time than now to take a Yukonuba challenge and put your dog on it, this product, Russ, 60 to 90 days, right? Give that dog 60 to 90 days on a new food until you start to see coat, teeth, energy, everything, right? Yeah, some, some benefits you're going to see much much quicker than others. Uh, some may take longer, but uh, you know, certainly from, a, uh, yeah, and, you know, and a lot of it's going to be in terms of wh- where your dog is when you start. I mean, if it's got to, you know, if it needs to go have its teeth cleaned uh, <laughs> when you start, you know, this is, this is not going to be the, this is not going to be the answer. You know, go, go ahead and go see your vet, get that taken care of. And, uh, and this, then our products will help, help keep the tartar off of the, the teeth. But, uh, and we can't, we can't take a, an unhealthy mouth and, and do magic. So. Sure. But that I would say I give, I tell everybody, give it a 90 day challenge. That's three to four bags of dog food. Give it a good go and watch everything track everything and if you're happy i'm happy and i I truly believe that this new formula is where it's at so if you'd like to learn more check out yukonuba sporting dog on facebook and instagram russ you are the man the grouse hunter the everything we could ask for and more on this podcast your information and guidance and everything is, is so so powerful thank you for being here with us for volume two episode one uh, yeah. it's been my you know it's been my pleasure i i uh i you know i have to say i i love to talk dogs so it's oh. always it's always good to, to carry on the conversation and especially about the fa- my favorite subject absolutely and that's what i love about you and your team is that your dog people you know russ you're not you're not a, a coat sitting behind a desk you're you're a dog person and you're you put your money where your mouth is with your personal dogs who sleep or who might be sleeping at your feet right now while we're talking. And that's what means a lot to me and, and your team. So thank you for everything that you all do for us and our dogs. Yes, and happy birthday. Our pleasure. Yeah, right, happy happy birthday. <laughs>
Hey, patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. It's a community that we built to help you and your dog on your journey to next duck season. There's videos that don't hit YouTube. There's happy hours where we drink a couple beers and I answer your questions every other week. And by the way, if you join between now and September 1st, you're entered to win a hunt with me and Kevin and other Patreon members. So jump in, let's go, join the community. We appreciate it and we'll see you there. Hey listeners, Nick Larson here, host of the Bird Shop Podcast. As fans of this show, you may be interested in the conversations on the Bird Shop Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting, from upland birds and their habitat and conservation, to the shotguns, bird dogs, and gear used to pursue them. Whether you're a seasoned upland hunter or just getting started and wanting to learn more, I interview a wide range of guests, each with their own unique perspective and valuable experience to share. If you're on the hunt for more upland hunting conversation, please consider subscribing to the Bird Shop Podcast today. Thank you.